Welcome back, everybody, to the Muskoka Bros podcast. This is our second episode, and we have a very special guest on the show today, so stay tuned for that. Um, before we get into our topic, though, let's check out This Week in Wildness. Right off the hop, I want to talk about uh, the initiative started by Mr. Beast, which you may know about by now, but uh, it's a challenge to plant 20 million trees, and we're a little over a week now into the challenge, and already over 12 million trees have been planted. Uh, the way it works is you can upload a video with the hashtag Team Trees and show yourself doing some planting, or you can go to teamtrees.org and donate to the cause. Um, one dollar means one tree planted, so um, right now they've got, I think it's $11,900,000 donated, uh, so that's almost 12 million trees planted right there. So. Um, the organization that is handling the bulk of the, the tree planting effort, um, they identify areas that are in the greatest need of reforestation. So you can be assured that, uh, that the trees are truly making a difference. They're not just going in the middle of some forest somewhere. Um, and this really resonated with us because, you know, it's always we always say, uh, you just got to get out there. And we just want to make sure that there's always an out there to get into. Um, you can probably expect a video from us shortly um, in regards to the Team Trees Challenge, but uh, we're just working on a couple of things right now, so stay tuned for that. Next up, we had Joe Robinette with his wife and dog doing a quick little trip up to Killarney. And if you've ever been considering going there but you're not quite sure, just have a look at this video and you'll really get a sense of uh, some of the, the really stunning beautiful scenery that they have there and it looks like with the fall colors and everything it's just a great time of year to go even though it's a little bit chillier but yeah next up we had Sean James over at My Self Reliance was uh, working on his sauna had a couple of videos on that this week um, that's at the off the grid cabin which is is really neat so go ahead and check that out uh, he also posted a little video about the team trees challenge where he's donated $250 to that cause, which is awesome, and uh, he just kind of was saying, you know, he's got so many trees on that property that uh, that it would be a little redundant to be planting there, but uh, if anybody wants to go dig up some of his saplings to replant them, he, he, I don't know if he was is serious about that, but, um, but yeah, maybe uh, send him a message and see if he was. Over here at Muskoka Bros, we put out part three of our Ralph Bice Lake Trip in Algonquin Park. Um, I make some pancakes and somehow get the mix all over myself. Uh, we go on a neat little hike, and our friend Trevor builds a fully functioning windmill. And I'm not even joking about that. Um, David and Matt head out on the water for some fishing and sightseeing, and then we sadly pack up and head out. But it was such a, such a great trip with a great bunch of guys, and um, definitely worth a watch. So, so go um, check out our channel for that. Max over at Woodsman's Finest is over in Japan, and he's putting out some really awesome photos lately, um, just kind of about the, the culture of Japan um, and some of the different things that he does while he's there. So have a look at that if you're interested in some really amazing uh, pieces of art, and, you know, it's a spoon as well, so you can use it. <laughs> also, if you're looking for a Christmas gift idea, you can order a carving axe from him before November 10th, and he says it will be here before Christmas. 
So I'm pretty sure he's got a coupon code there as well. So head on over to Woodsman, Woodsman's Finest on Instagram to get the whole scoop on that. With that, let's get into our topic of the day. And this episode is called From City Slicker to Outdoorsman with special guest. My dad of 27 years, Mark Saracen. How you doing? Good. And you? Great. <laughs> Are you nervous? Not at all. You don't seem nervous, so that's, that's positive. Uh, so today we're going to be talking about my dad and his evolution from somebody that maybe didn't care so much about camping to somebody that has uh, developed a, a huge passion for it and has taught me a lot about it and is just a, a really a really good source of wisdom and information when it comes to the outdoors. So with that in mind, um, I'd just like to open up the floor to him and let him explain a little bit about himself and just kind of how his love of camping came to be. Right. Well, uh, I grew up in the city. Um, I worked in, in Toronto. And when I was 27, I bought my first tent. It was a canvas tent with about a thousand pounds of steel poles <laughs> and this incredibly massive structure and never used it, never had the opportunity to use it. And a few years later, we moved up to Keswick and my next door neighbor had been to Algonquin a few times and started talking about us all going. Uh, my wife and, and him and his wife. And so we planned the trip and away we go. And we wind up in Algonquin. We were there for maybe four or five days the setting up the tent was a complete disaster. It rained. Uh, canvas tents, if you don't treat them properly, they leak. Uh, if you touch them, they leak and all this stuff. And uh, But we had a great time and the seed was planted. Interesting. So it's interesting that you mentioned the canvas tents because I see a bunch of people these days are using them as their winter camping tents. And... Uh, this one lady, she made her own, like sewed it up and everything and had to like waterproof spray it and fireproof spray mm. it and everything uh, so that they could put a, a wood stove into it and make it a hot tent. So I can't even imagine back in the day that that's like the height of, of camping technology was those canvas tents with the horrible poles and everything. You might as well build yourself a log cabin. <laughs> I mean, what's the difference? They weigh the same. Yeah. I've heard that. that <laughs> Especially when they're wet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, I mean, the other thing is too, is so you've got, uh, you've got your neighbors there kind of introducing you to camping um, at 27 and a lot of, a lot of kids and stuff get that love of the outdoors from their dads and from the men in their lives and stuff. And I know uh, the listeners won't know, but I know that you didn't really have that sort of relationship with your dad. So what was what was that kind of like um, as a kid? Did you notice that uh, lack of outdoor type exposure? Did it not register to you because you were in the city anyways and there was a whole bunch of other stuff to do? Or what was that kind of like growing up as a city kid? Well, I grew up in the beaches area. So we had the lake there and there were, it was, um, uh, well, I should say I grew up in the greatest generation <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, we listened to our teachers, etc., etc. But the, in the beaches area, uh, there was a lot of trees and 
Um, so that I didn't really, it wasn't like I was in the inner city where it was all concrete and, okay. and brick. Okay, so okay. that's the difference. Yeah, yeah. That, that's the difference. And um, I think, but just going back to that, having that seed planted, once I had that exposure, um, it, it just grew. I had a need to get away and there's something about being in the bush it's an entirely different perspective um and i don't do you want me to yeah, go there go, now go yeah it. so uh, i think after i'd done a, a couple of trips i started to the the one of the first things is um there is no time you you eat when you get up you eat when you eat you go to bed when you go to bed you right there's things that you have to do but it's all on kind of centered around when the sun comes up and when the sun goes down and so um and i i never brought a watch i never brought music i didn't bring anything and there's a that other thing about the dead silence of being in the bush as opposed to being in the city in traffic and noise right. and all that kind of thing so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's, uh, I totally agree with you there on just um, just to go out and to be in silence, to not know what time it is, but at the same time not caring what mm -hmm. time it is. It just doesn't matter. And you can really only do what you can do while it's light out, or if you bring a lamp, then maybe you can extend your time a little bit. But yeah. um, like all the like you said, like cooking when you're hungry and it's just a, it's a simple way to live and it's beautiful and um, just, I don't know, it's hard to explain like you were saying, it's hard to explain. But mm -hmm. um, So with that in mind then, what so what does your camping preparation look like now? You gotta have a list because if you think about it, you forget one thing. It, it, you wanna, you wanna pare everything down, you wanna pack as light as possible and um, so you're you've pared everything down to your what's vital for your being there and if you forget that one thing for example toilet paper what do you do <laughs> right so you got to have a list and i'm checking that list um i'll check it the night before as i'm packing and i'll check it again the next day and there's usually a few things that i have to get like on like ice right on my way and um gotta have a list and it evolves as you go along. You you learn as you as you um, take your different trips. You figure out what you haven't used, uh, what you're never going to use. You think of other things to bring, and um, so it's really an evolution, mm. right? Every trip is, is different, and uh, uh, you learn something new every trip. Yeah. Yeah. How not to dump your canoe. <laughs> Etc. Etc. <laughs> yeah. But sometimes you have to learn that lesson a couple times. Uh, the hard way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so then what? Tell me like an evolution of one of your early lists to where you're at now. So obviously your first list maybe you were underprepared or did you find yourself more overprepared? Overprepared for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Too much stuff. <laughs> way too much stuff. Uh, my first canoe uh, we called it the freighter. And so it was a flat bottom thing. It weighed about 400 pounds, and uh, which made it really difficult for portaging. Um, uh, fiberglass, 
like thick oh, fiberglass. Geez. You could stand up it in it and pee. Uh, that was that. <laughs> so, so it fit everything. Right. And of course, you know my eight hundred pound tent yeah. alone. Right. Yeah. And, you didn't uh, have to make any concessions for space. <laughs> yeah. But then we we went on a couple of trips that involved portages. So we really had to. We did a lot of planning and probably a, you know some research and talking to different people. And um, so you learn as as you go along, and you pare down, and you pare down. And um, these days, though, I like to I like my luxuries, as I I like to say. So I I have things at home that I want to bring into the bush. Right. Uh, I started bringing a, a guitar. As I, I picked up a guitar and started to play, so I wanted that. And then it's how to get a guitar into the bush safely <laughs> without having it rained on or right. right. So you, yeah, when it's one of your most prized possessions right. in the whole world, right? Yeah. And then sometimes you have to sacrifice too. If you're going, if you have three or four portages, like a, a guitar is just not viable, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um, so you're starting off over prepared, and then you kind of went. To this more pared down version and then as you kind of got in that comfort zone for a while you started to realize you know like hey i could use a better camp chair or a yep. camp chair in general so what if what about some of the camp chair battles that you and greg have had <laughs> over the years <laughs> uh well we learned early on <laughs> camp chair battles oh my goodness early on uh we bought cheap camp chairs right and of course, we would be laughing, and when you're laughing very hard, they break. <laughs> so we learned uh, to bring a coat hanger and duct tape and, and wire cutters, right? And to fix the camp, the broken camp chairs. <laughs> and I mean, we, we've made some repairs in the bush that were engineering engineering miracles okay. really yeah yeah <laughs> i don't even know how that would work oh scientists are still studying some of our inventions <laughs> uh so any and um i just want i want to tell the story can i tell a story go ahead yeah so uh, uh one of my favorite trips you know you're on the campsite you might have a couple of pops sometimes people pass out in their chairs <laughs> so I wake up, everyone's gone to bed, it's pitch black. And when it's dark in the bush, it you can't even see your hand in front of you. Fire had died, I'm in my camp chair. So I get up and I go to go to the bathroom. I, no, I go to go to my tent. And I hear this noise and I feel some tension on my leg and I look down and there, I, I had to crouch down and I see there's a rope attached to my leg. <laughs> and the noise behind me was everyone's camp chair. So he had tied, my friend Greg had tied my leg to all the chairs <laughs> around the fire. And as I dragged all the chairs to my tent, they became heavy because I was weary. Right. Uh, I did not make it to my tent and fell asleep in front of my tent. I gave up. <laughs> I was incapable of untying my leg from the rope, apparently. I just oh thought goodness. I'd share that. No, that's you know, hilarious. Talking about camp chairs. Yeah, 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 for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> and by then you had like probably like the ones with the flip-up tables and the um, what like you had used to have a chair that was so fancy. 
like um and when it was like every year you'd you'd show me this new chair and i'd inherit your old chair or whatever but right. by then it was all worn in and stuff what's the what's the best chair do you have a best camping well, chair yeah that was the time i brought my 800 pound lazy boy to the campsite <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> yeah I, i'm kidding i never did that yeah with the metal frame yeah and the, yeah, the rocking yeah. chair yeah no my favorite chair now is a an oversized coleman just nylon camp chair and it's lasted me i'm surprised how long it's lasted mm. I've, i probably have it maybe seven eight years yeah mm -hmm. well that's pretty good but i like that it's oversized because i can put my sleeping bag in it bag in it mm -hmm. and when you're out there for six or seven days it's kind of rough sitting on a <laughs> yeah right yeah even yeah. for a couple of days they're not great yeah. but better for, than a log i guess yeah. for an old guy like me anyways right. yeah <laughs> Yeah, so uh, so that's kind of the evolution a little bit of your of your list of your chair and but I really think that a good uh, evolution story would be of your your tarp technology. Oh, tarp technology. Well, um, maybe some of your listeners wouldn't understand what tarp technology is, but or would they? Well, the, a lot of people that kind of listen and watch and whatever they're into this whole camping outdoors survivalist thing. So some of, some people will set up a tarp and that's their campsite like that's their tent that's their fire area it's everything so it's mm. um and then there's other people obviously that just kind of reach up to the highest branch that they can reach and tie it around and then um there's just more advanced and less advanced but how is your tarp technology progressed from reaching up as high as you can to where it is now well i think i invented the term tarp tarp technology because really that's what it was i i think i well i may be going back a bit so i always had this thing in my mind i wanted to cook on a fire so i never right. brought a camp stove but how do you do that if it's raining right so i i decided to bring a tarp and i think when i started it was like the four corners to four trees with baker's string you know like the, i think that's how we started it would rain sag in the middle there'd right. be a hole because the flames of the fire it would pour down and put the fire out and then that's how you learn right jimmy right <laughs> <laughs> uh but uh then at some point we we found that it worked best with a uh, like a center line right but then you know you're camping on campsites that have been camped on before and a lot of the lower branches will be gone so it's how to get the rope up there and everything and i mean that thing about reaching up you know all those trees are full of nails from other guys and you you're reaching up and your wrist gets impaled with a nail a rusty nail <laughs> and the next thing you know you're doing surgery on the campsite right, right? and you're four which i always bring i do bring a needle and thread with me in case i have to stitch up <laughs> Yeah, because I'm not leaving the site. I'm there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You've, I'd have you've to worked be, your way in. <laughs> I'd have to be pretty injured, like a <laughs> amputation or something. But anyway, uh, so it's the center line, and then how do you get the rope up, right? So, I and I'll never forget this. We were there, pitch black, maybe had a couple of pops with my friend. Before the days of YouTube where you could just Google or you know watch some other guy do a nice tarp setup and stuff and so you've yeah had a couple of pops so, and, right and it's yeah. pitch black like and, i said greatest generation yeah i don't think they'd invented flashlights yet <laughs> and uh oh no we had a flashlight 
and so we're trying to figure this out and my friend is like uh we'll use a water bottle right because we had a water okay great idea right so if you can picture it you've got a single beam of light we've spotted our branch okay single beam of light doesn't encompass the whole area it's just this beam of light looking at the branch so water bottle goes 50 feet in the air we're all staring up at it catches the branch swings around boom right in the eye <laughs> water bottle in the head yeah it came out of nowhere yeah you know who knows <laughs> but we got that center line up and uh, there's another thing i don't know how to describe them i found them at canadian tire and it's a long plastic tube and it's a sleeve that fits in inside a sleeve because what always happens is the corners of the tarps, the grommets rip out. It's everybody's it has this problem. So what you do with this sleeve thing is you fold the tarp. You don't even use the grommets. You fold the tarp and it, it slots inside the sleeve and then the smaller plastic sleeve slides in and it's got a rope attached to it. So your um, all the pressure is kind of spread out along the sleeve they're about 15 inches long and so that's what i use on my corners now okay so mm -hmm. that's yeah see that's uh i love just the thought of <laughs> like your early days of camping and everybody sets up the tarp and it's not an easy process by any means to have simultaneously people working on one thing and just to get it set up with all the effort and then you get a hole in it and then it rains and then it's yeah. useless <laughs> like, it, right it's just hilarious yeah. to think of that like kind of going oh crap <laughs> well it's an in interesting going out with a group too yeah. right especially if you're not the leader of the expedition mm -hmm. you sit down you get on your site and you're watching these people and they're you know getting hum hung up on rusty nails <laughs> everybody's bleeding everywhere and you're just shaking your head going all in all they 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 need help so you mentioned uh you know you get injured and you're not going to leave the, the campsite unless it's serious what was the closest you ever came to to leaving a campsite because of an injury never never no uh i have injured myself many times though uh these days so I, every year i do a solo trip and um there was about, I think it was a period of about four or five years in a row. And every, you know, you get onto your site, nice bed of pine needles on that campsite, and you're tired of the city and you kick those shoes off, right? It's the first thing you do and you can walk around your bare feet. It's like, ah, freedom. Da -da -da -da. Boom! Kicked a rock. <laughs> the first time I did it, I looked down and my middle toe was sticking right back up at me. <laughs> <laughs> so I knew it was broken. Yeah. And um, it would either be my big toe or the or the one beside it. And I don't just mean stubbing the toe. It's like half the foot goes purple. You're limping <laughs> around for three days and trying to set up your tarp and your tent and everything. And it, uh, so, yes, yeah, so I've had many injuries, but never once considered leaving. Really? Eh? Yeah. Not Even once. when you got that fish hook through the ear. <laughs> <laughs> or in the back of the head yeah or driven into the middle of my finger <laughs> yeah i've had a number of fish hook yeah yeah no no it's like pass the whiskey and let's just keep going yeah here. yeah that one the one the fish hook through the ear he was teaching me how to how to cast a fishing rod for the first time and 
I wasn't really getting it, but um, him and my older brother went to go sit down and um, I guess we were all just taking a break and I picked up the rod and I was, you know, determined as all heck to do this. And so I picked it up and I go back over to the water and I, I lean back and I was just ready to give it my all. Like it wasn't, you know, that wasn't just a little tiny, like trying to, to do it. I, I leaned back and with all my might flicked it forward. And as I was pulling it forward, I felt some resistance and just, I don't know, I can't, I looked back and my dad was screaming and, uh, well, not screaming. Like it was just kind of like, <laughs> like a growl more. And, um, I looked back and the fish hook was in his ear and I was just a kid at the time. I was confused about how that got there. And then uh, I guess they explained to me what had happened. But yeah, that was a funny one. Yeah, I, I can kind of add to that story. The, re the reason I cried out was because it was like being hit in the back of the head by a Mark McGuire home run. <laughs> and it wasn't just a fish hook. It was a four-inch Rapala with three treble hooks on it. So there was, the, the one was in my ear. The other one was embedded in my scalp. Dylan was too young to extract the hook, so I had to get Kyle to get it out. And he didn't want to touch me because I had blood <laughs> running down the back of my head. We did survive. Well, you were very calm and... Uh... And I think you d directed that situation as best as it could have gone. I did. I did not get angry. <laughs> yes, yeah. it's true. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that was that was hilarious when that happened. Um, uh, I just want to jump back for a sec. You mentioned um, a little bit about the difference of going on a solo trip versus a group trip. So, can you can you kind of break that down a little bit and what each of them means to you? So maybe. When you go out on a group trip it's a great time of bonding with your friends and then there's always something to do and somebody wants to play a game somebody wants to make a fire collect firewood and whatever and uh, and it's almost like you're um you've always got something on the go whereas a solo trip i imagine there's i've never actually done a solo trip so i don't know but when you're on one by yourself i imagine it's quite a bit of just introspection and thinking and um, you obviously have to make yourself survive, so you have to do all of the jobs. You can't split it up between anybody. So what um, what about the solo trips do you like? What do you don't like? Sorry, what, what do you like? What don't you like? And how are they kind of compared and contrasted to a group trip? Well, that's a, a great question because they're entirely, entirely different. Um, the, the thing about uh, camping with a group is you've got... The one trip where there was eight of us, you've got eight different personalities, eight eight different people with their own ideas how to do things, and what I've learned about camping is you are in close quarters, and you ha you really have to rely on one another, and it almost forces you to cooperate. It's 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 like you don't have a choice other than to cooperate. The other thing is when there's differences you have to make them up because you you quickly come to that conclusion well where are you going to go right <laughs> what, what are you going to go camp by yourself on the other side of the lake like that just wouldn't make sense right and so there's like a it, it's almost like a, a group direction towards cooperation mm -hmm. and you discover it very quickly on a campsite it, you don't go to bed angry on it on a campsite i've never seen it actually in all my trips i've mm -hmm. never seen that and and we've had some pretty vigorous discussions 
around around campsites mm. and everybody's all always just kind of worked it out and um i remember the one time that one trip you brought your friend you were up away from the the fire pit uh playing horseshoes with your plastic horseshoes with your friend and you came down by yourself and i'm like oh something's <laughs> going on here and uh, and we're sitting there and i'm like well you better go make it up with him because where are you gonna go yeah <laughs> right? and i really didn't want to yeah and then uh, i love my solo trips um I don't know uh, what, uh, of course, uh, what everyone believes, but um, being in the bush, you're, it, you are in God's creation. And the reason I say that is because you, at first blush, you look at a forest, it looks like chaos. There's branches everywhere, there's trees falling down, there's there's holes in the ground, there's roots sticking up, there's uh, wildlife all over the place, and you could say it's chaos, but you spend any time in the bush, and the perfection of the way um, a forest operates, it, it actually perpetuates itself. So if a tree falls down, it makes a pit in the ground certain kinds of seeds fall into that pit they need that where moisture collects the seed grows as the tree rots there are certain kinds of seeds that will fall on the side of that rotting tree the nutrients in the rotting tree and it causes those seeds to grow a bee flies by it pollinates a flower the bird catches the the mosquito like it all works hand and glove together so perfectly how could you not see god in that so right. so my solo trip, my solo trips that I do every year are really for that purpose to um, recenter myself, to get, to recharge my batteries, to connect with God. And um, uh, it's a time away with him. And that's, that's what the solo trip means to me now. Yeah, well, I think regardless of what you believe, I've heard from people from every walk of life, from Christians, non-Christians, people that just kind of are indifferent, don't know anything about God or anything like that. Everybody that I talk to says the same thing about the bush, about nature, is that it's just there's an indescribable presence or difference mm. when, and um, when you're out in nature versus when you're doing things in the city and and people will speak to that same I don't know just amazement of the the way a forest works and um, and nature in general and express that sense you feel connected to something when you're in nature and that that's something that everybody from any walk of life can feel mm. which I think is amazing mm -hmm. that it works out that way it's uh, in the Bible it says that creation reveals God's glory Right, and it's so. Anyways, that's just something that I find really interesting, and um, basically, you're feeling really connected, um, and you've obviously had some really good solo trips, some really good group trips, some bad trips, or have you had any bad trips at all, or have they all been good in their own way? And if so, what what's your best trip? What's your worst trip? Well, um, every trip I I've ever been on has always been. Um, incredible uh, I've had some also complete disasters <laughs> on my trips 
uh, one, one of them was uh, I planned a trip, had the best campsite on the lake. It's out on a point. The only thing about that site is it can be breezy, right? So I'm there, get set up, get my tarp set up and everything. Um, I'd heard there was going to be some showers, so uh, problem is there's no Wi-Fi, of course, so I can't check like the radar or anything, but I do have a crank radio. So I got the crank radio going, and I hear that the storms are, are coming over my area, and um, I'm still, I'm kind of rushing to get set up, and I get my fire going, and I start cooking a chicken breast on the fire in kind of in advance of the rain coming in, and uh, I can hear the thunder. Um, you know, probably 20 miles away, and I'm kind of chuckling to myself. I'm, I'm thinking, oh, these, these, these guys are just getting nailed, right? I'm there, sitting in my camp chair. I got my guitar out and everything, and all of a sudden, a huge gust of wind comes up, and this storm is on top of me like went in a flash, right? Big gust of wind starts blowing the stuff, my stuff, like through my campsite, right? Another big gust of wind, another one, and it starts raining. And I mean, the rain, my tarp was entirely useless at this point. The rain was just coming right in the open end of it and blowing out the other side. So everything was getting soaked. I noticed my guitar is open. My guitar case is open. I run up to throw my guitar case in my tent. I'd left my tent open, so the rain was going right into my tent. Oh, I throw no. in the thing. My bedding was all open. Everything was open, oh, right? My, my bedding's getting soaked. My pillow. Throw the guitar in. I'm running back down, and another big gust of wind comes, and it rips my tarp right from one end to the other. Just ripped it in half, and it and and the two ends are dangling like. Um, you know, flag, storm warning flags, right? They're just <laughs> blowing off the ropes and everything. Another gust of wind comes, uh, blows my camp char- chair right into the lake, which was about 60 feet away. <laughs> and it just it just cleaned me out. My poor chicken breast is probably, you know, and um, what a disaster. The storms lasted for about an hour. Uh, everything got soaked. I had to go and like find all my stuff that had blown away. Uh, my chair was at the like halfway in the water right (laughs) it was pretty bad and the interesting thing the next morning I'm kind of looking around at my disaster and I I was a little grumpy and I'm like I was just kind of going oh lord like why do you let stuff like that happen and I'm like I'm going out fishing right so I start paddling and about five minutes I'd been paddling for about five minutes and I was trolling and I caught I don't know how much it weighs it was the biggest bass I ever caught huge fight smallmouth bass it jumped out of the water five or six times I would say it weighed eight or nine pounds it, it was absolutely massive wow it's a big fish and um, it it was that was kind of my answer not that's not the why but it was just like hey you're gonna have a good time yeah you know yeah so that was one of them uh, another trip where in it was may so the ice had been out for about a week uh water was ice cold and i was talking about how i like to bring my luxuries so i decide to 
have a martini at the campsite all my friends are mocking me and because i've got this glass i've got the plastic <laughs> you brought a glass uh, yeah a plastic martini <laughs> glass right and they're just ridiculing me and everything and we you know as they should we we were sitting there for several hours and i decide to uh make a couple of casts while i get my lure caught in a tree so i just bought a brand new canoe and it's um it's an amazing canoe it's made by swift it's called a winnesk so it's 17 feet long goes through the lake like butter when it's fully loaded when there's nothing in it it'll tip over like nothing like it just tips <laughs> over right yeah so here's me i've had a couple of martinis and i get i get my canoe and i'm gonna go and get my lure <laughs> and apparently my friends they, they went and got their cameras because they knew they knew what was right? gonna happen so i push off you know and i do the thing i got my hands on the gunnels i push off with one foot swing my legs over the canoe's going straight out into the lake. I'm probably 20, 30 feet out, getting my other leg over, and all of a sudden, whoop, 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 and I steady it. And I'm not, I haven't sat down it. yet. I, I saved it, yeah. right? I hadn't sat down yet. And I go to sit down, whoop, and it was right <laughs> over. And I had construction boots on with steel toes. Oh my goodness. I had two layers of clothing on, a raincoat, a coat, right, and, it was cold. Lo and long johns, because it was cold, yeah. right? I go straight to the bottom oh and I, I'm I, I thought I'm gonna die and so I started swimming and my friend he, he said he's never seen anybody swim so fast in all his life <laughs> so I must have been churning up the water back to the shore there's my like head a wake pops up coming up behind you <laughs> and there's three pictures right one of them I'm over yeah. and and it's just the bubbles where I used to be <laughs> And the other one's my head coming up out of the water, and the other one's me on the shore. So that that was <laughs> that's hilarious. And my best trip was was the trip. There was eight of us, and uh, we had a couple of new guys, and we I don't know we all got into these Monty Python British accents, and we were um, so the thing about getting tied up to the chairs, right? Next morning, I uh, I'm sitting with one guy and I said hey Gary uh, did Greg tie me up to the chairs last night and he goes yeah and I'm like okay and so I asked Greg and Greg lies to me right mm. so I go back to Gary and I'm like Gary I asked Greg and he lied to me so how about we do this after supper right everything gets kind of settled we're going to put Greg on trial <laughs> he's like oh that sounds like a good idea so we're all doing these british accents like stone him stone him and <laughs> so um this was the beginning of the council of the drifting minds okay. that's where that got all got invented okay because at some point during greg's trial um greg's brother walks out of the bush with a gigantic piece of driftwood that's shaped to his head he's wearing this piece <laughs> of driftwood and a staff right <laughs> and he's the judge and um so i'm the uh i'm the crown like the crown right. accusing the prosecution and, uh, yeah greg's lawyer gets up and starts um starts does this great big long speech and concludes with there's no defense for this man <laughs> from Greg's <laughs> lawyer. Greg's lawyer, right? <laughs> yeah. And and the trial lasted probably two and a half, three hours. And wow. I mean, 
there there was so much comedy we were falling off our chairs laughing and um i'll never forget that trip that yeah. it was there was something special about it yeah um, that just that it was continuous laughter we, we were up there for five or six days mm. and um and that was on butt lake so we had a we had the campsite that is like a it would be like a beach in the bahamas mm. right who needs the bahamas when you have algonquin right and uh fresh spring right there so we you know we kept all our refreshments right in the spring which it was ice cold mm. right yeah wow yeah that's, that's my uh, best trip. that that's something um plus i got tied to all those chairs that's right. pretty funny but <laughs> that's something that um with camping is i find that so amazing is you go out there and um you can all of you can be friends or it's like maybe you've just met somebody but by the end of the trip somebody's got a story somebody's got an inside joke that just yeah. went the whole trip yeah. and um and it just really it brings people together and that's that's something that i love the most about camping and um kind of with that it's just uh, to to wrap up our final question if you could what would be what would be the biggest life lesson that you've learned from camping well, that's a big question. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's any one answer to that. I think what's really precious to me is the relationships that are, are founded on those trips. And um, like a lot of our trips were the three of us, right? Yeah. And uh, um, that's a really hard question. Life lesson don't sweat the small stuff yeah every day is precious people are precious time is precious mm. to love more and I think it's when you're out there that really comes home yeah and that uh, yeah that's that works really well with your whole thing about like you get in an argument where are you gonna go sort of mentality it's like mm. all of all of that stuff is so important to to relationships in general and it's interesting that we only put that uh, emphasis on it in the bush or we can only put that emphasis on it in the bush when really mm. that's just how we should be living mm. we shouldn't be sweating that small stuff we shouldn't be right. holding things against people um you know like we should be living like we're all on a big campsite together right and just, we are just trying to treat people <laughs> nicely but um anyways i just wanted to say thanks for your time thanks for for coming on the podcast and sharing and uh um i'm sure the listeners will appreciate some of the <laughs> some of the stories and have me back i have more stories yeah for sure well we'll have to uh we'll have to come up with uh with something in the future for for us to talk about um i i have definitely heard some pretty good stories so um yeah with uh with that we'll just close off um thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that um podcast with my dad um it was great to uh, record that with him and just spend some time together reminiscing about uh about some of the things that i've learned from him about where he started off and where he ended up and uh yeah don't forget to check us out on facebook instagram twitter and myspace and check us out on youtube of course and like and subscribe and as always, you just got to get out there. <laughs>